guys, I'm Jesse Green. My husband Parker and I moved to California to start a new kind of church called Salt Churches. We're so passionate about helping people really follow Jesus and live fully alive. You know, without going to Bible college, I've learned that you can transform society by simply following Jesus, by reading the Word, and being filled with God's Spirit. This podcast is part of a new series called Reading the Bible with Jesse. That's me. (laughs) So each week we'll go through the Bible chapter by chapter, and I just want us to discover together what God is trying to say to us in just our normal, everyday lives. I believe this will change your life. This is the SALT Podcast. Hey guys, I'm so excited for week two. We're going to be going through Romans 2 together. And I have loved, loved, loved reading your comments on Instagram and your messages on Facebook about just the things God showed you already in Romans 1. It really is encouraging to me to keep doing this. And so I am really excited there is so much in Romans 2. And so we're just going to unpack a bunch in here. And honestly, if you have any questions or while you're reading anything stands out to you, I would just love for you to shoot me a message. And also, it would be really helpful if on iTunes you subscribe as well as leave a review because that helps these podcasts get into the ears and eyes of other people. And I just think the more people that know how to read the Word of God, just the better world we'll have. And so I I hope that this is helpful for you. It's really truly why I'm trying to do this, to help you just study the Word with someone, whether you're on the way to work or in your car or at the gym. So, And I'd also love to know, like, where are you listening to this from? Okay, so Romans 2, we're going to just start reading, and I'm going to just point out things that have popped out to me. And again, I just encourage you, as you're reading, make sure to just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to teach you revelation and to really, truly be your teacher. And then you'll see on the website that I have notes and underlines, so you can kind of see how I kind of take notes while studying the Bible. So Romans 2, it says in verse 1, You may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad, and you have no excuse. So right away, we're opening up just the judgment of sin and really just how we view ourselves as sometimes being better than others when we actually have God and we're judging sinners sometimes for not living in a certain way when we don't even live in a certain way and we have God. He says, when you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself. For you who judge others do these very same things. And so again, here's something to point out is Paul is not saying that it's actually wrong to judge people. You'll see in the New Testament, um, actually, a lot of times we are supposed to judge other Christians and judge the fruit of one another. Um, But he's actually saying you're not supposed to judge sinners. And so a lot of times you'll see Christians post things about 
people that are not following Jesus doing horrible things. And the thing is, is we're not supposed to judge them, especially when we do such evil things as well, when we know better. Verse 2, And we know that God, in His justice, will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Verse 4, Don't you see how wonderfully kind tolerant, and patient God is with you. Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that His kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? So again, I think something to point out here is we see in verse 4 and 5 that God is pointing out to us that He truly is kind, tolerant, and patient with others. And so we should show that same kindness, tolerance, and patience towards other people, especially unbelievers. And when we truly receive the kindness of God and recognize how patient He's been with us, that should provoke us to turn away from sin because it's like this position of thankfulness I always think about. So when you're truly thankful for something— you, you think about it, you dwell about it. And I think sometimes we can just kind of get stuck into our heads of thinking that we got ourselves saved somehow, or we are living a certain way because we're just these awesome, righteous people. But that simply is just not true. So verse 5 says, But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. And so that's saying that there will be a day when God does truly judge the world. Verse 6, he will judge everyone according to what they have done. Okay, so let's just time out there for a second. Verse 6 is saying that God will actually judge everyone according to what they have done, not what they think. Not what their heart feels like, what they believe that God should do for them, but he actually judges everyone according to what they have done, which means that actions are actually really important. But um, they're going to give us a little secret soon as to how we can be judged fairly because of Jesus. So verse 7 says, He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. And so this is giving us a little clue as to the things that we should be seeking. And so eternal life comes from those that are seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. And so I think it's really important to make sure that the things that we seek are in alignment with what's eternal, which is people. Verse 8, but he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth and instead live lives of wickedness. There will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps on doing what is evil, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. So this is meaning all people on earth now. Verse 10, but there will be glory and honor and peace from God for all who do good, for the Jew first and also the Gentile. Verse 11, for God does not show favoritism. 
I put a little question mark there. And I actually wanted to look up what that meant, favoritism. So something I do that's really easy is I'll just type in to my computer Romans 2, verse that's verse 11, and I'll do Strong's Concordance. And something that people don't really realize is that a lot of the words in the Bible, they have different meanings based on their original context. And so Strong's Concordance can show you what those actual words mean in their original context. And so what we see here is it says, for there is no respect of persons with God. And so that word is Hebrew, and the word is prosopolapisia, which is really weird. Um, and the, it's in Hebrew. It means respect of persons, partiality, the fault of one who, when called on to give judgment, has respect of the outward circumstance of man and not their intrinsic merits, and so prefers others as more worthy, high-born, or more powerful. Okay, so what, something really important to realize is it's not saying that God doesn't select certain people for certain things or he doesn't choose certain people to do certain works on earth, but this is saying that he doesn't judge people by the outward appearance, but he does judge people and choose people based on their heart. So verse 12, when the Gentiles sin, they will be destroyed even though they never had God's written law. That's so crazy to me. So um, it says, it, And the Jews who do have God's law will be judged by the law when they fail to obey it. For merely listening to the law doesn't make us right with God. It is obeying the law that makes us right in His sight. So that means just having wisdom and good thoughts about what God says is not what it's about. It's about obeying what God says. And so a lot of Christians oftentimes know a lot about what Christ says, but they don't obey him. Verse 14, even Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know his law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. Verse 15, they demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them they are doing right. And this is the message I proclaim, that the day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. And I just underline that in my Bible secret life, because he's not only judging what we do on the outside, but he's judging our our motives. He's judging why we do certain things. And it's just crazy because someone that chooses to not follow Jesus or whether they choose to follow Jesus, we all will receive the same judgment. But we'll see in verse 3 how it's a little bit different for the Christian. But What's really crazy is I think this just extremely points out how thankful we should be for the cross, especially because it says that in our hearts, whether we know the law or not, we know good from evil because of God, because it's written in our hearts. So it's like when you do something wrong, you have that little check in your spirit. 
and you just know you shouldn't be doing that. And so when you ignore those things, you're literally choosing to disobey God, even if you technically didn't know better. So verse 17 says, You who call yourselves Jews are relying on God's law, and you boast about your special relationship with Him. You know what He wants. You know what is right because you've been taught His law. This is the same, I would say, that goes for Christians that grew up in the church or you go to church every Sunday. Verse 19, you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind and a light for people who are lost in darkness. You think you can instruct the ignorant and teach children the ways of God. For you are certain that God's law gives you complete knowledge and truth. Well then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? My gosh, it's so harsh. You tell others not to steal, but do you steal? You say it's wrong to commit adultery, but do you commit adultery? You condemn idolatry, but do you use items stolen from pagan temples? You are so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. No wonder the scriptures say, the Gentiles blasphemy the name of God because of you. And so I just want to point out this whole thing is pointing out that like, it's so easy to live these hypocritical lives and people literally can blaspheme the name of God because we live such hypocritical lives telling people to live a certain way and yet we don't live that way ourselves. Verse 25 says, The Jewish ceremony of circumcision has value only if you obey God's law. That means that we don't just adhered to religious customs, shuffling into church in and out every Sunday, but yet not do what God says Monday through Saturday. Like, it literally doesn't even make sense. It says, but if you don't obey God's law, you are no better off than an uncircumcised Gentile. And if the Gentiles obey God's law, won't God declare them to be his own people? In fact, uncircumcised Gentiles who keep God's law will condemn you Jews who are circumcised and possess God's law, but don't obey it. Verse 28, for you are not a true Jew just because you are born of Jewish parents or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. And so this is saying that you are not in the faith just because you're born into it. So many Christians I know They believe that they're Christians just because their family is Christians, but this is saying that that's not how this whole thing works. Verse 29, no, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God, and true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by God's Spirit, and a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God and not from people. I think this is so huge. I actually underlined, wow, this is huge. But it points to showing you if your heart is actually circumcised or not. So how do you know if your heart is seeking the right thing? Well, it says right here that a person with a changed heart actually seeks praise from God and not from people. And so if you're constantly seeking praise from people, it's a really good indicator that your heart is not yet completely changed. And so something you can simply do, it shows us in verse 29, it says, it is a change of heart produced by God's spirit. 
And so you can actually use this as a heart check, as an indicator. Where do you get praise from? Is it from people or from God? And if it's still from people, then you can just say, God, I just ask you by your spirit to change my heart. Give me a new heart that wants to love you and know you and obey you. And so I'm just going to pray for you as we wrap up verse uh, chapter 2 in Romans. And so, God, I just pray that we would just not be people that live by what we know, but we would be people that live by changed hearts by your Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, I just pray that every single person listening to this podcast, that you would give them a brand new heart, a heart of flesh and not a heart of stone. And I just pray right now, Jesus, that you would just bless them and help them to live brand new lives and not be hypocrites, but be people that truly obey you and know you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I just thank you for listening, and I hope that this encourages you and inspires you to keep reading the Word of God, keep allowing God to transform you, to speak to you. And I hope you come and join and listen to next week and subscribe to the podcast. And I'd love for you to come say hi on Instagram at jessi.green, like the color, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye, guys. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope you feel inspired, encouraged, and empowered to change the world for the name of Jesus. Make sure to tune in and listen to our other podcasts and download our app, Salt Churches, found on iTunes. We hope to see you and hear from you soon. Thanks. Have a great day.